0: To turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, because the text was too long to print in the bulletin this week. Um, we'll look at the first 31 verses, not the whole chapter, but um, most of it. And um, while you're turning there, um, we just remind everybody, I mean, I'm sure that all of you have done so at some point, but uh, there's this contact card on the back cover the bulletin, that if you've um, got an update to any of that information that you, uh, you, know, you saw in the photo directory and you saw that it was out of date or whatever, fill that out, let me know about it. Or if you're a visitor, um, or if you have prayer requests, uh, you can use the other side of that. Just tear that off and give it to me after worship if, um, if you want to. So, um, my guess is that if you are a Christian... You have thought about how to share the gospel, uh, which has been life-changing for you, Um, thought about how to share the gospel with uh, family members or with friends um, that uh, don't believe the gospel, and if you've thought about that, then certainly you've considered the fact that they might offer you some resistance, uh, that they might even resent you for it, or... um, uh, break fellowship with you altogether because of it, uh, or worse. Maybe you've wished that you had more courage than you do to talk about the gospel, uh, even if you encounter resistance. Where do we get the courage to do that? Um, where do we get the courage to talk about the gospel with, uh, with our non-Christian friends and loved ones? Um, I think our passage has some excellent things to say to us about that. So let's pray and ask for God's help, and then we'll read the scripture. Lord Jesus, you have uh, ascended to God's right hand in heaven, and even though um, we don't see you with our eyes, uh, we know that you are there because of your word, because of your spirit who dwells in us, and because of the way that you've drastically changed the normal course of events uh, throughout history and in our lives. And so we pray that uh, your gospel, your grace, your um, self-sacrificial love to us would be inspiring to us, that your presence with us would be comforting and encouraging and emboldening to us. We pray that you would teach us from your word, from this passage this morning, uh, how to be your faithful witnesses in this world, um, even when the world is against us. We pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. And um, as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the people and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening, but... Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about five thousand. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. When they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power, by what name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, If we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever, so, long, long passage. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let me introduce this setting just a little bit for you. It um, might not have been clear. What we looked at last week in Acts chapter 3 was uh, Peter and John, on their way into the temple, they see a lame man who'd been uh, crippled, unable to walk from birth, and we find out that he's over 40 years old, and, um, and he asked him for a handout, and he got a hand up, <laughs> Um, he was healed miraculously, right? He was restored. He was able to, able to walk and run and leap and uh, praise God for his restoration. And Peter, immediately after, was explaining this restoration that had taken place uh, in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ, who overcame death itself, who one day would return to uh, set all things right and renew um, forever, in in body and spirit, those who put their faith in him, uh, Christ was the one who had given a foretaste of the resurrection to this lame man as he was healed. And so um, Peter and John were explaining this to the people in one of the temple courts. And apparently there was a really large crowd gathered because a couple thousand more people put their faith in Christ and believed what they were saying. Um, and it says in the text that the number of the men was about 5,000. That probably means that the total number of believers was maybe double that, which is a significant number of people. Um, and, and here we have, in our text, the first time in Acts where we see opposition to the gospel. Uh, the apostles, I say, held up like champs, right? Right? Uh, which is saying quite a bit uh, when you know anything about them. Right? If you've read the Gospels, if you went through Mark's Gospel with us, which is what we just got done with, um, you know that a couple months before this, just a couple months, um, Jesus was captured and put on trial by the Jews, the, the leaders of Jerusalem, and by the Romans. And, um, and while that was happening, the disciples scattered like scared sheep, Peter himself, um, the one who is so bold in our passage this morning, renouncing Jesus three times, just a couple months before, and now Peter stands before the very same people who had killed his master, who had killed his Lord Jesus, and he's proclaiming the very same things that Jesus had proclaimed Maybe even a bit stronger, right? Um, and Jesus was a mighty miracle worker. Jesus was someone with unquestionable authority. And Peter was a weak and sinful follower of Jesus. If Jesus didn't make it out alive, what do you think was going to happen? What do you think was going on in Peter's mind? And somehow, Peter was able to preach the gospel and say some things that his audience sure didn't want to hear. And uh, this has just got to be one of the most hostile audiences that a Christian preacher has ever addressed, right? Um, so I think we can find some help here. Uh, for our own boldness when it comes to evangelism. Let's look a little closer at exactly what was going on here and see if we can take some encouragement for our own interactions. First of all, uh, let's remember who the Sadducees were because the text says, Luke records, that it's the Sadducees primarily who um, round up Peter and John and plunk them down in the middle of them and uh, start to grill them. A few months ago when we were in Mark chapter 12, we actually saw a very similar encounter between the temple leadership and Jesus, right? Jesus had entered the temple, He had basically taught and demonstrated in various ways that the old regime, the existing leadership in Jerusalem, was coming to an end. These guys no longer represented god 's plan for his people. Um, and God had sent Jesus to reconstitute those plans, to, to reconstitute the people of God to reconstitute the temple in himself. Um, and the temple leadership, as you might imagine, didn't like that. So they were looking for ways to get rid of Jesus, actually. It says that they were looking for ways to kill him. And um, quietly, of course, because he was popular with the common folk. Um, and in Mark 12, it says that the Sadducees came to him, to Jesus, who say that there is no resurrection. Uh, they tried to shut Jesus down on the doctrine of the resurrection which he was teaching to put an end to his influence that was undermining their authority. And you might remember that the Sadducees opposed the idea of the resurrection not because uh, it was just a silly superstition or like you've you got to grow up and not believe in goofy stuff like that anymore. That's not why they opposed the resurrection. They opposed it because it was a revolutionary doctrine. Um, They were were manipulating the religious beliefs of the people in order to maintain their positions of power in the temple leadership. The resurrection that Jesus was proclaiming was the kind of doctrine that they needed to suppress because it would actually empower the masses to live without fear of oppression. N.T. Wright says this, Such beliefs threatened their own position. People who believe that their God is about to make a new world are far more likely to lose respect for a wealthy aristocracy than people who think that this life, this world, and this age are the only ones that will ever be. So the Sadducees didn't want to think about God coming to topple their power structures, coming to turn the world upside down where they'd finally uh, uh, suddenly find themselves on the bottom. Right? But Jesus taught with boldness and authority that God is just the kind of God to free his people from oppression. To deliver them from death itself. To raise them to everlasting life, to take the kingdom away from the powerful, and to give it to the poor and the weak. And yeah, they didn't like that, so they killed him. And and then what happened? Jesus came back to life. God raised him from the dead, the firstborn of the everlasting resurrection. And not only that, he ascended to heaven and sat down on the throne, empowering his followers to proclaim the resurrection in his name. And his man, Peter, in his name, healed this guy who was crippled from birth, lame for 40 years. And now this guy's jumping around like a deer in the temple, praising Jesus for restoring his health, uh, which was a picture of the resurrection itself. And right now, Peter's teaching several thousand people about Jesus and about the resurrection, and the group of Jesus' followers is multiplying rapidly. So yeah, the Sadducees, it says, were greatly annoyed so they arrested Peter and John and they turned to intimidation tactics Uh, there were 70 plus guys gathered there in the Sanhedrin Uh, all of them gathered in the court in some kind of like a semicircle probably with Peter and John in the middle and they asked them basically the same thing they had asked Jesus a couple months before right before they killed him what do you think you're doing by what power, by what means did you do Who gave you the authority to do this? And if I were Peter, I would be thinking, if I say Jesus, I'm dead. Uh, so how can I be truthful, but minimize the severity of the truth and kind of manage their response to me so that I don't die? Right? Um, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, By him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, if I were sitting in a movie theater watching this unfold, I'd be crawling out of my seat. What are you doing? They're going to kill you. What did you just say? But this isn't a movie, it's not a piece of fiction, this happened. And Peter uh, proclaimed explicitly in a very hostile environment that their worst nightmare was true. Uh, The one that they had killed was back from the grave with more power and authority than ever. So then what? What's their response? In verse thirteen and fourteen, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated, common—the word "common" there is actually the word we get the word "idiot" from—they <clears throat> were idiots. Uh, they were astonished at this boldness, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And for the 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 Sanhedrin, that was not a, a happy thought, right? Oh. These guys have been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they called executive session. They get rid of Peter and John. What are we going to do? We can't argue with them. How are we going to stop them? Do you realize what that means? They couldn't deny anything Peter had said. Here is this crippled guy standing there grinning at them. The blood of Jesus of Nazareth was on their hands like Peter said. And they couldn't even deny his resurrection. You'd think of all the enemies to the Jesus movement... Of all the people who would have been able to put an end to it, these guys just had to say, wait a minute, that's crazy talk. Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, and you know it. Uh, if they could have shut down rumors of the resurrection, they would have. But they couldn't. They had nothing to say in opposition. The fact of the matter Is that they had killed Jesus and it didn't stick. But instead of them all throwing their hands up in the air and saying to Peter and John, All right, you win, um, they try to figure out how to stop what they cannot deny is the truth from being known more broadly and undermining their authority. The truth is often clearly known to us. And we just don't like it. So, um, you know, someone bring Peter and John back into this meeting. They come back in. Peter, John, uh, just stop it. No more talking about Jesus. But Peter and John answered them whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God. You judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. The, the role of the apostles was to be witnesses to the resurrection. They had seen it. Um, and they would remain faithful to that task in spite of threats because their duty was to God. And the rulers had no comeback. Right? Their resistance is not based on reason. It's irrational. So they just threatened them. And uh, let them go. And Peter and John went home and told their friends, and then they prayed together. And in their prayer, they acknowledge God's complete and sovereign power over everything that He has made. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and all and the sea and everything in them, right? They acknowledge God's Sovereign power. In their prayer, they quote Psalm 2 and acknowledge the vanity of worldly powers that would array themselves against God and against His Son. The King we read in Psalm 2 this morning, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. God's power over all things, all events, is so complete... It's just kind of comical when his creatures try to plot against him. And I think that what we would expect the apostles to pray next would be something like this. O Sovereign Lord, who controls all things, utterly destroy your enemies from the face of the earth. Wipe out those who would threaten your people and remove any opposition to your gospel and to your kingdom going forward into this world. O oh, Sovereign Lord, use your great power to give us the victorious life in the presence of our enemies. O oh, Sovereign Lord, give us supernatural success in our evangelism. Make every knee bow. Make every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But instead, they didn't pray that. Instead, they continued in praise of God's sovereignty, acknowledging that the terrible injustice that had been done to Jesus when he was murdered was, in fact, orchestrated by God himself. They praised the ruler of unchallengeable, unquestionable power, for letting Jesus die according to his plan. What does that even mean? It means that God's sovereign work in the world doesn't really fit with our natural expectations. Right? It means that when he orchestrates events for our ultimate good, that doesn't always look like the most comfortable, most convenient thing. It means that God moves in a mysterious way, often an unpleasant way. It means that if God didn't spare his own beloved, perfect son from ridicule and suffering and torture and murder, maybe you shouldn't expect that the sovereign God is going to spare you from all those things. In fact, Jesus uh, predicted before he died in John 15 If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And that is actually pretty terrifying. Until you have a good, strong view of God's sovereignty and how that sovereignty is good news for you. As we've seen, God's sovereignty doesn't necessarily mean that the people that he loves will be spared from suffering for his kingdom. In fact, the Bible pretty much guarantees the opposite. If you're one of God's people, and he has set his love on you, and your desire is to live for him, then you will certainly suffer persecution. When you open your mouth to talk about the gospel, somebody might crack you on your mouth to shut you up. Or just make fun of you and stop hanging out with you. And the apostles, instead of relying on God's sovereignty to spare them from this, they relied on God's sovereignty to strengthen them through it. They didn't pray for their enemies to be destroyed, they prayed that God would consider their threats and grant them to speak with boldness in spite of those threats. They didn't pray for miracles of vengeance on their enemies. They prayed for miracles of mercy to validate their message of grace. Why on earth would they pray this way? That seems so counterintuitive, a way to pray. Commentator Robert Tannehill says this, In a time of threat, prayer can be a rediscovery of the sovereign God who wins by letting our opponents win. And then transforming the the expected result. This rediscovery can keep God's witnesses faithful in spite of threats. We can remember God wins by letting our opponents win, and then transforming the results. Our sovereign Lord has ordained that suffering is the means by which He brings redemption and restoration. To the world. He ordained that through the suffering of his Son, billions of people would find eternal life and joy in his presence. He ordained that the church would flourish and grow when the world was set against it in persecution. Jesus said this to his disciples before he died I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they'll put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Jesus knew what would happen to those who proclaim the gospel, some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. You no know, Christian in his or her right mind has a death wish. Nobody wants to suffer opposition, alienation, persecution. These things are simply just characteristics of what it means to live in a fallen world that's set in rebellion against God. The good news is, because of God's sovereignty and because of His grace, you have nothing to lose even if you die. Philippians 1, Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish Because your death will become your entrance into glory. When the worst thing that could happen to you is that you die and instantaneously know everlasting joy in the presence of your loving Father who is in heaven, then you won't fear those who oppose the gospel. What can they do to you? When you're truly convinced that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, That God took his death, which was the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe, and turned it into the best thing. He let his opponents win, and then changed the results. uh, And that this is an absolute guarantee of your reception into the new heaven and the new earth. Then what threat can anyone pose to you when you share that good news with them? The apostles were convinced of God's resurrection power. Right? That power that takes evil and turns it into good. To bring light out of darkness and life out of death. To free them from fear of the worst tyrants and opposition, even if it means they had to go through opposition. They knew, the apostles knew, that an environment hostile to the gospel could not thwart God's love, could not thwart his plan, Could not thwart his salvation, but instead was ordained by God as the means of growing his church with resurrection power. They knew God's unstoppable favor toward them, and they knew that he would strengthen them for their work of declaring the glories of his grace. And so they prayed for boldness in evangelism in a hostile environment. And when they had prayed, it says... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Early in the chapter, in verse 8, when Peter first began to proclaim the gospel to the Sanhedrin, it said that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And here it says that again. And in fact, Luke uses that phrase eight times in his gospel and in the book of Acts. And each time someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, the immediate result is a courageous proclamation of the gospel. The Spirit has been sent to God's people to exalt God's Son. The same Spirit who unites us to Christ in His body equips us to proclaim the gospel of Christ with boldness. David Peterson reminds us that such boldness is a divine gift not a moral virtue to be acquired by repeated exercise and I would add that such gifts come to you from a person not by some trick of conjuring up enough faith or incanting the right words to trigger the release of power if you want boldness to share the gospel with your friends and your loved ones, you need the Spirit's help, and He is plenty willing to give it to you. Because His job description in the church is this, help believers testify to the gospel, to the glory of God. If you want boldness to share the gospel with your friends, ask God to assure you of His sovereign love, Ask Jesus to teach you what his resurrection means. Ask the Spirit to fill you and strengthen your faith. It's that simple. So let's do that together. Let's pray. Father, your sovereign uh, work in the world is certainly mysterious to us. We would not have done things the way that you have done them, but you have shown your great power. To take even the worst things in this world and to make them into the best, the most life-giving things. You've done so through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you promise to do so with each of our resurrection as you bring us to life. Uh, And we certainly must walk through suffering and death as we follow Jesus to get there. But we will see glory. We will see your resurrection power at work. And so we pray for your help. We pray for boldness that comes only from you as a gift and we know that um, our relationship with you and our ability to ask you for such a thing is only based on your grace uh, and yet you have promised it to us and so we ask would you fill us with your spirit and make us able and willing to proclaim your grace to our friends who do not yet know you we pray this in jesus name amen